0: <laughs> Gentlemen, and welcome to the Dats What She Said podcast. My name is Alexa Dat. I will be your host for the next eh, hour, hour or so while we do this podcast. I'm here with producer Kyle. Kyle, what's going on?
1: Not much. We don't really have like a set time nailed down. We just sort of wing it each time as we go. I hope our listeners don't get upset by that.
0: Well, I mean, if they are willing to listen for an hour, that's great. If yeah, they're do, willing to listen for five that. minutes, that's great too. Yeah. If they're willing to subscribe to us on YouTube or iTunes, that's even better.
1: Yes, we appreciate all of that. Thank you very much, everyone.
0: We're on That's What She Said on iTunes and YouTube. You can also follow us on Twitter, Alexa underscore NYC. So we are going to have New York Daily News NFL columnist and author of Brady vs. Manning, the untold story of a rivalry that transformed the NFL. Gary Myers will be calling in in a little bit. And we'll discuss all of the happenings of that game and then all of the the history between the two quarterbacks, which I think will be really interesting. He's got some great inside information. I've heard him on the radio a little bit and, and I've read a couple previews of the book. It sounds, it sounds great. So I'm excited to read that and, and talk to Gary. But I want to talk first about That matchup between Brady and Manning, just between us, because what a lot of people are doing is giving Brady, you know, shit basically for not standing upright and giving Peyton Manning all of this credit because he threw two touchdown passes, which is in the NFL what a quarterback is supposed to do, in case everyone has forgotten. And everyone likes to point to the fact that he's old. Yes, I get that he's 38 years old. I understand that. But he sat out a couple of games. You know, he had that plantar fasciitis. He had time to heal, and he had time to get his body right to prepare for that game. So I think that what a lot of people are doing is focusing more on the quarterbacks in this situation rather than what I think they should be focusing on, which is the defense. The Broncos... A defense is amazing, and everyone knew that going in, but coming out, they didn't get enough credit for the win that I think that they should have gotten. The first couple of times that Brady and Manning matched up, Brady had the better defense. I think in the first six times that they saw each other, the Patriots' defense was dominant, and that was one of the reasons that the Patriots won those matchups. It's not so much the quarterback play, which everyone loves to give the quarterbacks credit for. A lot of it comes down to the defense, because when you have two really great quarterbacks going up against each other, it ends up falling to secondary or third or fourth factors in the game.
1: I I see your point, and I hear what you're saying, and I agree. But when it comes to the NFL, what's the most important position on the field? The quarterback. So that's what everyone's going to lead to talk about, especially when you have two of the greats of our NFL generation so far going up against each other like that. They're going to go ahead and disregard the defenses. They're going to disregard wide receiver play, running backs. They're, but that's a problem
0: get... to me. I th- you can't disregard this this yeah, Broncos defense. I, I
1: agree because I think the Broncos Brady defense... was hit
0: twenty plus times. Yeah, they did he a great hadn't job. been touched for more than a dozen throughout the entire season. He was on his ass for most of this game and that's one of the reasons that the Broncos were so successful. Not so much because of Peyton. He played okay. It was the defense's ability to get to Tom Brady, which is what made it it, it changed the game.
1: Yeah, you took you took the Patriots best player out of the game. That's what the Broncos did.
0: Well, and in turn you take all the about, skill position players out yeah. of the game too. But because- that's because
1: everything falls on the quarterback in the NFL, which is why everyone talks about the quarterbacks. The quarterbacks are generally the leaders of the team. This is it's it's a quarterback driven league. So that's why people are talking about I agree. In this game, the most standout performance was the defense as a whole. Now That's another thing I look at when you talk about the two Giants Super Bowl runs. Eli Manning was the MVP in both of those games. Was he, though, or was the defensive line as a whole the MVP in both of those games? My argument would be that the defensive line, which took the best player in the NFL out of the Super Bowl twice, should have been your MVP. But it's it's a quarterback's league, which is why I I agree with you. The Broncos' defense was the star of this show. They played absolutely incredible, and it was amazing to watch because they did what— I had seen the Giants do to Brady in the past, which is get to him. If you rattle him a little bit, he starts to fall off of his game. And they did that very well.
0: What I kind of want to see is, you know, the New Yorker does those awesome cartoons on their cover. And I want to I wanna watch when, if, I mean, I still think the Panthers are going to win the Super Bowl. I want to see the New Yorker cover come out. And I want to see a if, if Peyton is to win the Super Bowl. Or even just going into this game. And I know the New Yorker is mostly political satire, but... Bear with me here for a second. I want to see a triumphant Peyton Manning donning his crown, ripping off his neck brace, wearing this grin as if he was the one that got them here. He was the one that gets all the credit, and he's the bigger image on the page. He is stepping on a prescription written for HGH, kind of like you're walking out of the bathroom with toilet paper stuck to your foot. And you've got the entire Broncos defense, Aqib Talib, Von Miller. To Marcus Ware, all standing behind him, with their arms crossed, eyebrows raised, just kind of watching Peyton take all the glory, when you know it wasn't necessarily all Peyton. No, and it, it wasn't even the majority Peyton, it was the majority of the defense who did this work.
1: This, this year it was, but would you say, though, that Peyton coming to the Broncos... Did that not sort of change the culture of the Broncos almost because they were going from Tebow and now Peyton comes in and that sort of like gets this whole thing rolling where the instant Peyton went to the Broncos, everyone said, watch out, this is going to be a great team. No, 100%. And I'm not
0: saying that Peyton doesn't deserve credit as a quarterback. He does. And he has been dominant. He's been one of the best quarterbacks that we've seen in our generation. What I'm saying specifically for this run, and if he is to get a second ring, is that putting that second ring up against... Other quarterbacks' rings and comparing them and putting them in the same category as Tom Brady, even though we've watched how these two have matched up against each other, I just don't think you can do it. I love the crispness of the ball how it comes off Peyton's hand. I love the way he plays the game. He's smart. He is mm, the the first touchdown past
1: Owen Daniels. Borderline
0: athletic. I mean, he's he's him
1: and Eliar. They're quarterbacks. They're borderline athletic. Yeah.
0: But you know, I wouldn't call I wouldn't go so far as to call him a mobile quarterback.
1: I do I do kinda wanna see I want him to win the Super Bowl. Like I, I, I like that storyline. However
0: I liked it I, at first. I'm totally changing my mind now, though.
1: I kind of still want him to not win and just like because I like to picture at like Thanksgiving dinner at the Manning house. There's Archie sitting at the head of the table no those Super Bowl rings, and Eli's just sort of there grinning and he's wearing both of his rings. And Peyton's just slumped over. He's got only one on his hand, and Eli gets to hold that over him forever. He, Peyton's the better quarterback, without a doubt. Just stats-wise, everything.
0: Oh, it's not but even close. I, I if love, anyone were to argue that, they'd be insane. I love Eli Manning. Of course you do. You're a Giants yes, fan. Yes,
1: but I love that image in my head of just him sort of having both rings and Peyton. And just going, how the hell, how do I only have one?
0: But I don't think that necessarily matters because people who watched Eli and Peyton play would never even compare them in terms of being in the same category. No, it doesn't matter who has the most Super Bowl rings. Terry Bradshaw has four Super Bowl rings. You would not say that he's a better quarterback than Dan Marino, who doesn't have one.
1: I'd say, I'd say Bradshaw no, played on no. a very good team and was a winner. Because he won, he won four Super Bowls. That of course, he's a winner, but yeah. he's not a
0: better quarterback than Dan Marino. That's not even in the in an argument.
1: I still think the ultimate goal, obviously, is to win a Super Bowl. And if you don't, it says a little bit something as opposed to winning the Super Bowl. That's really all that matters. But I guarantee
0: you that Dan Marino would stand back and say, I would rather take my career, my extensive you know, decade-long career, decade-plus-long career in the NFL, take the stats— Take all of the accolades that I got, the love that he got from that city. I guarantee you that would mean more to him than winning one ring, like being a random scrub.
1: I think he wants one ring. No, of course he does. Of
0: course he does. I'm saying he wouldn't trade all of that for one ring to be like a scrub guy who randomly won a ring on a team that. That it was you, like the defense you, Are you who calling did
1: Eli it. Manning scrubs? This is what no, we're back I'm not. To? I'm okay.
0: not. I'm just saying okay. that just, just your, your, your Thanksgiving table image doesn't it's, it's really do own, anything for it's me. It's my own craziness. Because just let me have that. no one will ever compare them and act like they're in the same category. I I do think though one of the reasons that Denver's pass rush was so dominant was because when you saw them against Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers, Roethlisberger has a little bit of mobility. He can move around in the pocket. He can scare you a little bit with his legs. Tom Brady does not have that ability. And Tom Brady, when you saw him, I guess there was one rush in the first half because neither team decided to run the ball. There was one rush in the first half where Tom Brady go, runs for the first down and gets clipped and lands on his side. He looked like he was the slowest man on earth running for that first down. I've never seen an, a professional athlete look that slow running down the field. Have you ever
1: watched Eli Manning run down the field?
0: I mean, to be honest— Tom Brady looks faster than Eli Manning. Yeah.
1: Eli's, Eli is slow running down the field. It drives me crazy.
0: But it, but not by much. Yeah. No, but the, the, I, I know you love to think that Eli is like some sort of god. He's he's, you know,
1: he's pretty great. He's
0: got a couple of rings, but yeah. that's, that's about as much as he's got going for him.
1: He's got some records, some not so good, some kind of terrible.
0: What's going to be interesting for me to see is how the Broncos match up against Cam. Because the Broncos defense are going to have a completely different task in Cam because Cam is, as everyone keeps calling him, a running back at the quarterback position. Which, can we end that? That's not how uh, you should he's, describe he's this just, guy. He's a quarterback.
1: because He's way a he throws, skilled
0: quarterback. Yeah. I'm sorry. If you can run the ball as a quarterback, that's called you're a mobile quarterback. That, that's called doing your job to the nth degree, to the best way that you could possibly do it. Tom Brady is a great quarterback. He could have used a little bit of mobility to skirt around some of those defenders. He didn't. He didn't have that in his back pocket. That wasn't a card that he could pull. And you've seen throughout his... His career, if you can get to him, the Patriots could be beaten. And that's exactly what happened. So it'll be interesting to see how the Broncos match up with the Panthers' offensive line and how they get to Cam.
1: I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited for the game. I'm
0: wondering if I should have a Super Bowl party. Should I have a Super Bowl party? So Peter's going to be in Santa Clara. He's broadcasting for ESPN. And he's coming back before the Super Bowl because he doesn't have tickets to the game. Okay. Which is like kind of whack, but... Whatever. How
1: how many days out is he going? Is he like flying? He's
0: gone Tuesday to Saturday. So he's there. He
1: he gets the whole Super Bowl experience without the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. He's going out there to broadcast. He's going to have a show dinner. He's going to see friends. So he'll have a great time. But what I'm wondering is when he comes back, if I should have a Super Bowl party. I feel like I should. So do it. Yeah, but he doesn't want me to have a Super Bowl party.
1: Well, he is coming back from being in California.
0: For five days. And then he doesn't want to come back and see like other people at his place.
1: That's true. He just wants to watch the game with Bear on the couch.
0: Yeah, except for last year when we invited two friends over to watch the Super Bowl. It was supposed to be, I think, six or seven of us and everyone bailed. I forgot, was there a snowstorm last year during the Super Bowl? I think there might have been or some sort of weather situation or maybe all our friends are just lame and I'm trying to blame it on the weather. Yeah,
1: you might have lame friends.
0: So we cooked all this food. We have, you know, everything ready to go and we have two friends coming over and they said they had just gotten a dog and they said, can we bring the dog? And we're like, sure, Bear doesn't get along with, Bear's our dog, Bear doesn't get along with other dogs, great, but we're like, screw it, we can... We can try and socialize him to turn into a normal human being dog. So w- what ends up happening is the dog can't handle bear and vice versa. The two of them are running around, you know, not able to, to co-mingle. And I said to Peter, I knew this was going to be a situation. And he's like, calm down. I'll take care of it. So And the couple wasn't super embarrassed. They're, and they're our good friends, but it, it didn't really matter. So uh the wife of the couple was like, I'll take the dog out in the hallway and I'll calm her down and hopefully she'll she'll chill out. Five minutes later, I get a knock on our door and she's like, hey, do you have um, dog cleaning supplies and a roll of paper towels? And I open the door and I looked down the hallway and there are just three piles of shit <laughs> <laughs> just like dotting in the hallway to- and then like... For good measure, the dog peed at the very end of the hallway right in front of the elevator. So It's
1: a good thing it wasn't in your apartment at the time of this
0: That's what I said to Peter. Peter, I know, he agreed, but, I mean, cleaning up shit while I'm supposed to be watching Super Bowl is not exactly what I wanted to be doing, but it was a good story nonetheless. We're not going to have those people over again with their dog. We'll have them over because we like them a lot, and they're good friends, but sans dog. And hopefully we get more people to come. We cook all this food. I love cooking Super Bowl appetizers. No, no one wants to show up. Maybe Kyle, you're invited. Do you want to come to a Super Bowl party? Oh,
1: maybe I'm invited. That's very nice of you. Um, yeah, I guess I. Can I figured
0: come to you had sure. something better to do. To be honest, I figured you have friends who actually are cool and get like tons of liquor and have a good time. And
1: you're giving my friends a lot of credit. I am. Yeah.
0: Do you not have any friends?
1: I, I mean, I have like a friend. I guess oh. we could call Jason a friend if you want to go with that. Is
0: or... Jason coming over to watch the Super Bowl with you?
1: Uh, I'm not sure what we're doing yet. We haven't really planned this out.
0: See, this is the problem. If you don't make plans this week, I know. You don't have plans because next week everyone's scrambling well, the good and then you is get stuck at somebody's party that you don't really know. The
1: good thing is you have 2 weeks to sort of plan for the Super Bowl because no one cares about the Pro Bowl. No. My, well, oh, of course one not. One of the the worst all-star-ish games.
0: We flipped on the draft, I guess what was it last night or the night before?
1: I I don't even I didn't even know.
0: It was so embarrassing. It was so embarrassing. We were like, "Who are these people? What are they doing?" They're in an army base, which is nice. You get to talk to the veterans and um, the the military, but other than that, what is the point? You
1: know, I do it ha- online. Having them play a game sucks. Yeah, I, a skills competition, kind of like the NHL does, where it's this whole just fun, sort of ridiculousness. Maybe you do like a three-on-three competition, you know, type deal. where just, like, smaller teams. But having two full teams go at it, first of all, these guys don't want to hit each other.
0: Well, like, and, all, and everyone keeps dropping out. The yeah. coaches don't want to coach. They, Mike no, McCarthy no, doesn't want, want to go. None of them want to none do it. None of the quarterbacks want to play. It's,
1: it's an injury risk. Why not do skills competitions that are, like, fun and sort of a little bit crazy? Like, try, almost have, like, a, hey, let's match Odell Beckham's ridiculous catches. You know, like, try and do something like that. Quarterbacks throwing through, not just tires, but, like, ridiculous targets that they have to hit at absurd. Just do... Fun things seeing what uh, linemen can, how much they can push, like, uh, you know, just do fun Other stuff. Other different each.
0: things. The skills competition would be cool because everyone loves that when, just you know, make it absurd. The NBA does their all star weekend. Yeah. People are very much into the skills competition. The game, not so much.
1: No, no worry because about the games.
0: Um, speaking of all star breaks, so my boy Alexander Ovechkin is skipping out on the all star game. What do you feel about that? He's got the lower body injury and doesn't want to injure it further. Caps, I think, are going to win the uh, Stanley Cup. Are
1: we talking hockey right now? Yeah, we're going to talk oh hockey my God. for a second. Um, um, I mean, I guess if you're a Capitals fan, you want him to skip out on that. Like if, right, because if, what's the point? Lundquist what's the benefit to, of
0: him playing yeah. in that game? If he's, if he's and got, it's a, mid-season, if he's it's got so a little stupid. injury,
1: take the time to nurse it. You know, who? Can, yeah, your fans want to see you at the skills competition, but I also think they want to see you healthy and make that push or, and avoid the Capitals trademark postseason collapse, which they are known to do having a healthy OVAC yeah. game might help them stop that. If if Lundqvist said that he had like a little injury and he was selected to the All-Star game, I'd be like, please don't go. Stay in your apartment in Manhattan. Just relax and then come back after the All-Star game and then dominate with the Rangers. Washington
0: teams are so good at that. That Collapsing? second half collapse. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So I'm going to see Steph Curry at the Garden on Sunday. Are you? Yeah, and I'm super excited, and I, I can't wait. I and wanna, I hope I he lights go to that game. up the Knicks. Oh, he's gonna. Of course,
1: that, that's a good him game, in the garden. He like, might he might score seventy points just sure. because.
0: Yeah, and you know they're going to be embarrassed and maybe bring the Knicks down to. Uh to reality a little bit because the, the they know where been they're fe- at. No, they've been floating around Chris No, Razingas, the, is this the fans, guy? the
1: fans don't know well, where they're at. All the we need
0: is a is a point guard. They do only need a point guard. They don't only need no, a point they guard. Only. They need veteran experience, which they don't have. And I'm talking about like good veterans. I'm not talking about guys who just like are like, oh yeah, I played in the NBA for twelve years. Well
1: things keep going You're bad not good. with Cleveland we will just get LeBron James. Everything's solved. It's I have the solutions. Just listen to me, everybody. We got this.
0: All right, um, so let's go ahead and talk to Gary Myers. How's that sound? Sounds great. Great. Coming up next, Gary Myers. Joining us now is New York Daily News NFL columnist and author of Brady vs. Manning, the untold story of a rivalry that transformed the NFL. Gary Myers. Gary, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure, Alexia. What's going on?
0: Not much. So we have you on the phone. We would love to have had you in studio, but something happened to your ankle. What happened? What's going on?
2: Yeah, three weeks ago, I was carrying my little puppy outside, and I missed a step that I've only gone down about a thousand times in the last 15 years. So just a little broken ankle and torn ligament situation that's limited my mobility. Otherwise, I would have loved... To have been there with you
0: today. Oh my gosh, sorry to hear that. Well, I'm glad you could join us anyway. So, I want to talk to you a little bit about your book. Um, Brady Manning, where did you get the inspiration to start writing this book in the first place?
2: Well, you know, I I was really looking for something real contemporary that could relate to, you know, this generation of football fans. And, you know, I was trying to think of something that really defined this era of the NFL. And it, it just kind of hit me that. You know Brady versus Manning is you know Magic and Bird and Wilson Russell and Ali versus Frazier and you know has really is really the one thing about this time that I think people will remember and you know it, it's funny they they get to play each other in the AFC Championship game four months after the book comes out and play you know for the seventeenth time and it was probably you know w- you know certainly was one of the most compelling games. They've ever played against each other. I still think the 2006 AFC Championship game, which was the first time Peyton beat Brady in, in the playoffs and then went on to win the Super Bowl, that's probably still number one for me in terms of um, you know really memorable, memorable games between the two, but, but last week's was, was certainly a great game.
0: Going into last week, did you see it unfolding the way it did with Tom Brady ending up on the, uh, on the turf for most of the game?
2: No, uh, that was the most that uh, you know Brady's ever been hit in his career by far. Um, you know the Giants were able to really get good pressure on him the first time they met him in the Super Bowl, and then I remember the Jets divisional round playoff game against Brady in the 2010 after the 2010 season. They they used a, a similar strategy uh, in terms of the alignment that the Broncos wind up using. Uh, Last weekend and you know combined with the fact that you know Broncos have some really good defensive players the the Patriots offensive line was really banged up and they just couldn't protect them and um, you know the fact that Brady brought him down the field at the end of the game with a chance to tie it on a two-point conversion really says a lot uh, about his ability to stand up and, and face the pressure because I mean he took some vicious hits in that game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's start with Tom Brady and your experiences with him because I know you got to at least catch a little bit of time with him to interview him for the book. You know, we know about his supermodel wives and his, uh, you know, Super Bowl rings. What did you experience with him when you sat down and talked to him?
2: I just found he was a regular guy. We actually did most of the interview uh, riding in a car from Gillette Stadium to, to downtown Boston, uh, which is where he was living at the time. And we just had a great talk. He, I didn't get one no comment out of him. He was very forthcoming and 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 personable, and I really did enjoy talking to him. I, I knew him, you know, somewhat before I did this, but never had spent, you know, the quality time with him that I did for the book. And I think his the image that people have of him of being real standoffish and sort of being an extension of Bill Belichick's evil um, empire in New England is not really who he is. I, I think he's, it, it, despite his celebrity and and his millions, he really just tries to be a regular guy. And uh, he's a real family guy. Other than the fact that he has a very high-profile job, um, I found him to be, you know, a, a very down-to-earth, likable person.
0: When you were setting up the interview and going into it, and all of the times that you had talked to him previously, did you have a preconceived notion of what Brady would be like when you sat down with him? Did you have kind of something in your head? Maybe he would he would give you a no comment on some of the questions you had, or he would be a little standoffish. As, was that something that you had formulated before you went and sat and talked to him?
2: Yeah, somewhat, actually, because he he's very um, he kind of follows a formula when he does his interviews. Uh, his weekly press conferences and conference calls and how he is after games, that he doesn't really stray very far from the script, full of cliches, you know, preparation, execution, all that kind of stuff. But I wasn't going to ask him questions that would elicit those kind of responses because I wasn't asking him X's and O's type of questions. So I really didn't know what to expect, but, um, you know, I spent an hour with him uh, the first time and only got about halfway through my questions because his answers were in such detail and anecdotal that he, you know, a lot of questions he would answer for over five minutes. It, it was great. So he far exceeded my expectations in terms of how cooperative he was going to be and also in terms of the quality of the material that he gave me.
0: How in-depth do you go with Tom Brady in the book? Do you talk about Deflategate and Spygate and his relationship with Bill Belichick, or is it more just his relationship with Peyton Manning?
2: Oh no! It, it goes way beyond pay money. Now, when I when I had the majority of my talks with him, it was pre-deflate gate, um, and that was just a function of the deadline of my book, and and he was very hard to get to anyhow um, after the Super Bowl last season. But you know, we talked a lot about Spygate, and I, I talked to him a bunch about his relationship with Bill Belichick and how. It is strictly professional, and despite the fact that they've accomplished so much together and been together for such a long period of time, that they really haven't spent any time outside the office together. Even after you know a long night of game planning, one never said to the other, "Hey, you know, you got an hour? Let's go get a beer and a pizza, or something like that." They've never done that, and I think that once either uh, Brady retires or Bill stops coaching, whichever comes first, I, I think that their relationship will change. But Belichick. Really uh, makes a concerted effort to keep his relationships with his players, you know, at arm's length because he knows at some point he's going to have to, you know, cut or trade them or try to convince them to retire. So he tries to uh, remove um, emotion from the from the equation when he makes his decisions.
0: So you're telling me that Bill Belichick has a heart?
2: Um, <laughs> I've been told <laughs> yeah. that he does. <laughs> I have not necessarily witnessed it myself.
0: Did you talk to, to Belichick for this book at all?
2: It's actually an interesting story, and the the, the short answer is no. He had agreed to sit down and, and talk to me, and then uh, on the day that I was in training camp a couple of summers ago, he had a conflict, and uh, instead of rescheduling, he just canceled. And I still don't know why uh, he was agreeable to doing it, Say at twelve o'clock the day that I was there, but found no time at five o'clock or at nine o'clock the next morning, or a couple of weeks later when the Patriots were playing the Giants in a preseason game at Medlife Stadium. You know, I offered to come to his hotel or meet with him before the after or after the game, and the answer back was that it wasn't doable, and he had changed his mind on cooperating. And I'm I'm not really sure why. I he's He's just different. And um, maybe the time he agreed to talk to me, he was in the mood and then just decided, no, I don't want to be cooperative. I I don't know. But I was surprised, pleasantly surprised when I was told, you know, he had blocked out, you know, 15 or 20 minutes to me. And then uh, obviously disappointed when he flat out canceled and refused to cooperate with me.
0: Well, yeah. And as an author, that must also change the direction of the book, too. I mean, at least I would assume so, only because you have in your mind that you're going to talk to the guy who is essentially responsible for most of Tom Brady's success. And he's going to, you know, talk to you about the subject of your book and give you, you know, whatever Belichick is going to give you. And then all of a sudden, that's kind of the, you know, the rug is is taken out from under you. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was disappointing. I worked around it the best I could. I had a lot of Belichick quotes over the years from press conferences that I was at that I was able to ask him questions, so I used some of that. But I got a lot of good stuff about Brady, you know, the Patriot years, from from Robert Kraft and Scott Fioli and a lot of his teammates, you know, Teddy Bruschi, Matt Castle, who was one of the Stanford teammates, as his backup quarterback, Dan Copen, who was the center for a long period of time. So, whereas... I mean, I'm not going to deny the book would have been better had Belichick cooperated. It was something that was completely out of my control, and I did my best to work around it. If you ask Belichick questions about you know, the evolution of the tight end in football, he can go on for 20 minutes. If you ask him if it's the right or left shoulder that Brady got banged up in a game, he won't tell you.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. We've seen enough Balachek press conferences that you don't really know exactly what you're going to get out of him if you if you start getting into personal stuff, and he might just give you one word answers. But it sounds like you you know have talked to numerous amounts of people who who gave you great stuff about Brady, and I'm excited to uh, to read all about that. Let's switch over to Peyton Manning. What was your experience like sitting down with him?
2: Well, the perception of Peyton Manning is that he's this. You know, really likable, personable guy who uh, is just like a guy, your neighbor next door or somebody you'd like to sit down and have a beer with. And he probably is that way with his with his inner circle. He was just very difficult. And I, I did get good time with him out in Denver and was able to ask all my questions, but it was difficult setting it up with him and people around him convinced him to do it because I had already interviewed Brady and I was going to write this book and, and, um, it wouldn't make him look good if the only voice in the book of between Brady and Manning was, was Brady. And then, you know, it was in his best interest to address some of the uh, uh, issues that, that I, I wanted to talk to him about. Now, I, I think there's two reasons that he wasn't as cooperative or, or as um, embracing of the subject. One is that, you know, at the time he was, and he still is trailing, but you know, by a lot in the head-to-head matchups with Brady, but now when you look back on it, he's won the last three playoff meetings with them uh, all in the AFC Championship Games, So although he still trails eleven to six overall, I think the complexion of the rivalry changes somewhat because he's won all these important games in their last meetings. The, the second reason I think he was a little hesitant is Peyton is a very controlling individual, you know, both uh, around the team complex. It, it was true in, with the Colts; it's true with the Broncos. Uh, it's true in stuff outside of football that he agrees to cooperate with. And because I was just asking him to cooperate with this and not collaborate with me on it. And he didn't have any control over the final product or, or even, you know, I I didn't run anything by him once I interviewed him, you know, to get his clearance on. I think he was uncomfortable having a book written about him that he was not in control of. Now that I can look back on it, the book is just so much better having Brady and Manning cooperate. I can't imagine having written this without the cooperation of either player just because there was stuff that only coming from them Would be really compelling.
0: Well, it's really interesting because Peyton Manning has such a public persona, right? He does the nationwide commercials and he seems like such a like a huggy bear, lovable type of guy. And you can almost say the opposite about Tom Brady, who comes to the podium, answers your questions, and then he's out of there, and you kind of experience the exact opposite when you got them alone and talked to them in private. How did you reconcile that? with kind of what your your perception or maybe the perception of, you know, that we all have of these two guys going into into the book?
2: Well, I explained it almost like you just did right there that the public perception isn't necessarily isn't necessarily reality, that at least in my experience it wasn't. And I understand how people feel about Tom. And outside of, you know, Patriot's nation, he's probably not very well liked, where I think Pey- Peyton is universally liked. And has a lot to do with, you know, all his commercials, and he, he had a great appearance as a guest host on Saturday Night Live. Brady did pretty well in that role, too, but, you know, he's the first to admit that Peyton is a lot more at ease and, and funnier than he is. I, I mean, I reconcile it by explaining it just like that.
0: Besides the impression that the two left on you, did you take away any sort of personal stories, anything interesting that you were you were really surprised by, or anything that you can you can share with us?
2: the part of their personality that really surprised me. Now, I know they both had reputations as practical jokers, but I didn't realize the extent to which they let it go, were willing to take things to get even with teammates or or just to initiate things. And uh, it's probably the most fun chapter in the book is is just some of the pranks they pulled on their teammates.
0: Any one Uh, prank stand out to you?
2: Well, there was was one really funny one that, that Peyton did. It's an easy story to tell. That um, the veterans at, at Colts training camp, oh, in Anderson College, um, always stayed in, in the on the basement floor of the dorm, and and first year players and other members of the organization would would stay on on the first floor. So the last night of training camp, in the middle of the night, uh, Peyton mm-hmm. and Dallas Clark, who was his roommate and his uh, tight end for a long period of time, went up to a bathroom on the first floor. Found a 50 gallon trash can and they start filling it up with water. And they get about halfway filled up. And, and Clark says to Manning, You yeah, know, I think that's enough. And Peyton goes, No, we got to fill the whole thing. And they go across the hall and they lean the garbage can against the door and knock on the door in the middle of the night. And the guy who opens the door, um, as Peyton and Dallas Clark are running for the stairwell to go back to their room laughing like school kids. Obviously, the guy opens the door and the water starts flowing out of there like Niagara Falls, and it just fills the guy's room up. Uh, Peyton and and Dallas Clark go back into their room, and Clark goes in there first and looks at Peyton and says, I think we made a mistake. And he goes, why, what happened? He goes, that room was right over ours. The (laughs) water is coming through the ceiling. (laughs) So the funny part about this is I told the story on ESPN a couple weeks ago or last week. Um, when I was on, I was on Sports Center, and I get a text about 10 minutes later from uh, Avis Roper, who's the public relations director of the Colts. And he used to be the assistant PR guy for the Giants. I know him really well. And he texts me, he goes, that was my room. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> now, Clark and Manning had told me, I mean, Clark had told me they thought it was just a rookie. And I don't know if they knew it was Avis Roper's room, or they just knew it was somebody that was near the team. That was Avis's first year with the team.
0: Oh, that's so funny. So,
2: uh, he opens the door, and the water comes out. It, he said it was the middle of the night, and I, I was texting back and forth with Avis. that. I said, "Come on, that was your room." He goes, "Yeah, it was my first year with the Colts." He said, "When Peyton left the team, I can't remember what year this what year the incident happened with the water, but it, it couldn't have been much." Um, Later than say 2010, it might have been 2011. Avis never knew who did it until Peyton's career in Indianapolis came to an end, and and then he fessed up that hey, you know, when that water came in your room, you know, I mean, Dallas Clark did it. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. It was just so he was kind of a rookie. Funny to me
0: because it was his first year with the team, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. He he probably figures you know he was being indoctrinated,
0: right? (laughs) Exactly.
2: You know, he's pledging a fraternity and. And he gets the water spilled in his room, which probably wasn't the first time that they did that. I don't know for sure, but I can only imagine Avis sitting there watching as I was telling the story on Sports Center and going, Oh my God, <laughs> that was my room.
1: <laughs> I love that. You uh you brought up before when you were introducing sort of rivalries, you said Magic and Bird, fraser Ali. Uh I had an argument with a friend, um, about uh, two weeks ago, sort of about this with Brady and Manning with when we knew the matchup going into it, that I don't think a lot of people consider quarterbacks the way that they match up against each other really as rivalries in the same way you would put Frazier and Ali and Magic and mm-hmm. Bird. But I, I disagreed with his stance because, yeah, you're not facing off against this person on the field at the exact same time, but because of the way the league is, you can sort of considered it a rivalry in the sense of the way these two have seen each other so much, but I don't feel as though people necessarily would agree that this is a rivalry. How do you sort of relay that, yeah, it is, because obviously you've written a book about it. What sort of stands out that this is such a big rivalry in the same vein as all those other guys you mentioned before, not just in football?
2: Well, I mean, I certainly understand how people say, well, they're never on the field at the same time. You know, how how can they be rivals? Well, it's just the way it is in football. The winning and losing records are attached to the quarterback and the coach. And even in the NFL record and fact book, they have a whole page on the starting quarterback's records. They've met now 17 times, and it's it's such a big deal um, that it kind of transcends the game itself, that um, these guys, and it's very hard in the NFL to consider a player bigger than the game. These guys have been bigger than the game for a long period of time. And the fact that they played each other so frequently is what really makes it stand out. And I've told people that Marino and Elway were in the league together at the same time for 16 years, and they faced each other only three times, and two of those were um, in Elway's final season. So you have two of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history whose careers have run side by side, and not only that, that their teams have faced each other so frequently, and a lot of that has to do with Manning and Brady being so great and their teams always are finishing in first place and going by the way the NFL formula goes to the scheduling, that means they play each other every year. So a lot of it has to do with them, why they face each other every year. And, again, it's just it's a rivalry that's bigger than the game, and it, it kind of overshadows the fact that and not on the field at the same time. Like Magic and Bird would occasionally guard each other, and obviously Ollie and Frazier in the ring at the same time. But it just shows, you know, what a great rivalry it's been.
0: Well, Gary, great stuff. We can't wait to read the book. Again, it's Brady versus Manning The Untold Story of a Rivalry that Transformed the NFL. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast.
2: Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: Good luck with the book. Thank you. Well, that was Gary Myers. Listeners, make sure you go buy his book. It's going to be a really awesome read. I can't wait to get my hands on it. Make sure you stay tuned for next week on the podcast. We've got Joe Budden in studio. You're not going to want to miss that. He's a huge sports fan. I know you all are thinking, well, he just knows music. Not true. Not true. He is a sports fanatic, and I can't wait to break down the Super Bowl and some NBA with him. We'll talk a little bit about music and life, but we'll uh, we'll keep it sports as we usually do here on the Das What She Said podcast. Kyle, thank you so much. Austin, thank you so much for engineering today. You were a great help, and let's go get a snack.